Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation, the true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with Earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And, of course, we just want to start with prayer. Well, Jesus, in this special time of year, uh, we just ask you to come into our hearts afresh and Light us with your inspiration, your Holy Spirit of fire, and show us the path before us. Um, Wake us every morning uh, with your loving kindness and guide us with your right hand that we can be on your path for your name's sake. And all the things that we have on our heart, all our concerns, all of our worries, Lord, we just, we hand them to you. We ask you to receive them and guide us in your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Friends, remember I've uh, made the offer that you can order a bumper sticker from me. Just send a self-addressed stamp envelope to the station at KPRZ. And remember, that's the bumper sticker. Um, You could change the laws, but you can't change the truth. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you can get that from me, one or two. Send a self-addressed stamped envelope, and I gave you that address previously. Um, uh, And it's on my website um, at mywordsforhim.com. Dot com. Go there. You can get the address, and you can see what the bumper sticker looks like. Please uh, just ask for that, uh, Wendy Scott, or Season Watch at KPRZ. And, of course, you can go on kprz.com and get the uh, address there as well. So, uh, And I look forward to hearing from you. Please uh, just send me a note. Tell me how many of those you'd like. They're free. And I'd love to hear any comments or any uh, encouragement or suggestions. Uh, you can email me also at Wendy Scott or W Scott at mywordsforhim.com. And I'd love to hear from you. And so um, I'd love to talk about some of the current events that are going on right now, as we always like to touch on that and see how they align with scripture and the things that we're expecting to happen. But right now, my heart's on. Um, I have a trip coming up. In fact, as we speak right now, I'm on it because this airs on Saturday. And I am going to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Can you believe it? Just for the weekend, and it's very exciting. I'm praying for an opportunity to plant uh, seeds or sow seeds for the kingdom uh, that maybe some uh, of God's chosen people will receive the word that Yeshua is their Messiah. So uh, pray for me, even though right now it's probably 1 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, I will be there another full day and I'm just praying for a mighty harvest for his kingdom. And so um, there are so many things we want to share about the deep mysteries of God. And and uh, I'm looking forward to spending Pentecost in Jerusalem. What more can you ask for? And so, friends, fasten your truth belts as today we talk about Pentecost, new covenant, new heart. Isn't that fun? And so Sunday, uh, which is tomorrow for you, is the traditional day that the church celebrates Pentecost. But it was a Jewish holiday first, and this year it falls on Saturday on the Jewish calendar. So when I discovered the beautiful symmetry of God's word in the Feast of Pentecost, my faith grew immensely. I don't know about you, but I'd actually never really heard a teaching before that revealed these deep mysteries 
on the Pentecost. And so I hope your faith will be enriched today as well. And friends, we must study the Bible so that we know him, right? We must do that. And every time you discover something new, you just love him more. I'll tell you that. Okay, so we've all read the beautiful account of Pentecost when the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit on his disciples after he had been taken to heaven. And so we celebrate the birth of the church of Jesus. And this is a good time to take a look at the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit to every believer by looking at this event. And we see the account written in the book of Acts beginning in chapter 2, starting at verse 1. So I'm just going to read through this, and we're going to pull out some things. Okay, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. These are his disciples, right? He told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise that I told you about. So they're in the upper room, about 120 people. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them cloven tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. Other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. And there, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not uh, Galileans who are speaking? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And we will hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexing one another. Whatever could this mean? Others were mocking, saying, Oh, they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Quote, and in the, it shall come to pass in the last days that God, uh, says God that I will pour out of, pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. What a promise. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. That's, that hasn't happened yet, that part. Um, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise. Just call on him. And uh, verse 22, men of Israel hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Isn't this wonderful? And of course, he's... He's going to preach after this that uh, Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies, and he actually gives quite a powerful sermon full of clear doctrine and Old Testament scriptures. I urge you to read that account again, and especially his sermon, because it holds a lot of insights to help us understand God's prophecies and plans for us and the church. Um, and so after Peter finishes his sermon, the people responded, uh, beginning in verse 37. 
Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. I think he's still saying that, isn't he? Um, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to the believers. Isn't that amazing? 3,000 souls from one sermon. I bet that really encouraged Peter. Um, And so we see this amazing account of the miraculous outpouring of the gift of the Holy Spirit with the promise to every believer forever. Any believer that comes at any point will receive this Holy Spirit. And we want to understand the significance of this gift concerning the wisdom and complexity of God's word. And so, first of all, we see in this account, starting in verse 1, that there was an, uh, there were observant Jews gathered from around the entire Roman Empire, the whole world, to the Feast of Pentecost. And we'll see that this is one of the three feasts required by God in Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, the first is the Feast of Passover and the, is the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread. The second is this one, Pentecost, which is also called in Hebrew Shavuot, or that means the Feast of Weeks. And then the third feast that's required is the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot, to commemorate when Israel dwelled in tents during the Exodus. So since uh, the Israel had been scattered during the Babylonian rule, many Israelis lived their lives in the new nations. They became assimilated, uh, but remained faithful to pilgrim pilgrimage to the rebuilt temple of their uh, of Jerusalem. And so the Greek Empire, if you remember, had united and Hellenized much of the Mediterranean world. Later, the Roman Empire connected it for travel and commerce. And this really becomes a key. So in God's wisdom, he knew that the people would be scattered around the world. So he required, at the time of the Exodus, when he instituted the feast, he required all Hebrew males to come to Jerusalem to the temple three times a year through these spiritually significant feasts. And so because of this, a few months before Pentecost, right, uh, before this account, the whole Jewish world had come to Jerusalem for Passover, right, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they had seen and heard this astonishing Rabbi Yeshua that they all heard about, and they witnessed his crucifixion and had even been there to hear rumors of his resurrection. All this because the feast was supposed to last seven days. So they were there to see the whole thing. And then 50 days later, they all returned for the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, because Pentecost is Greek for 50th. So everyone had to be uh, had to be there was a witness uh, had witnessed Jesus's crucifixion both local Jews and those who pilgrims pilgrimage there and were back again to witness the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such an astonishing way that 3000 of those who witnessed this outpouring got saved even though they had not believed initially when seeing the things that happened with Jesus about his resurrection a death and resurrection and so Uh, Then the one powerful sermon from Peter helped usher them in. So they were very convinced. And so um, a bonus observation, one wonders what God has in store for the third feast, right? Because all these feasts uh, seem to 
um, usher in some important part of the church and be a sign for some important part of the church. And so the last feast is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also called in-gathering, interestingly enough, and it, it celebrates uh, the great end-year harvest, year-end harvest. It also is famous, because uh, I've been there, it's famous for Christians gathering to a special celebration in Jerusalem. So any thoughts of what might happen around that feast? I don't know. It should be a sign for Israel, though, so I guess we'll wait and see. But he has one more feast uh, to astonish the Jewish people in Israel, so we'll see what that is. Okay, so back to Acts, we also see that the event was characterized by a rushing mighty wind, which is in verse 2, and that's a beautiful picture of the Spirit of God. The Hebrew word for wind and spirit are the same, ruach. So whenever you see the Spirit of God or uh, the wind, either one, that uses the, the Hebrew word ruach. And so we see this beautiful symmetry in pouring out as of a wind, right? And Jesus compared the Spirit to wind when he chastised Nicodemus to open his eyes, wake up, don't you know what's going on? And thankfully, Nicodemus did, right? And so in John chapter 3, Jesus says in verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak that what we know, and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so God's very good at comparing earthly things to spiritual things so we can connect with them. It's like metaphors are very powerful. And when we receive analogies, metaphors, parables, we connect with them very deeply. And uh, Jesus is saying here, learn these things. You're a master of Israel. You should know these things. And so God says that to us sometimes. Hey, you should know these things. Train and find yourself approved, right? So we have to always keep reading and learning. Um, and so we see that the Spirit of God is this life-giving person of the Trinity, and he makes us spiritually alive when we receive salvation through Jesus. And we'll talk more about this. Um, then remarkably, God gave another sign in verse 3 that there were tongues of fire that sat on each of the disciples. Wouldn't that be amazing to see? And this reminds us of that promise that John the Baptist revealed in Matthew 3, starting in verse 11. Indeed, I baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's that promise. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, told John the Baptist this because he had the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. How amazing. And then we see um, also in Acts 2, uh, beginning verses 4 through 8, the miracle that they spoke in other languages, which was such an astonishing thing to witness that the whole of Jerusalem marveled. In verse 11, quote, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Can you imagine how amazing you would sense in the spirit that something miraculous is happening from God? And it made such an, uh, a powerful um, impression on them. And this display of God's power caught the attention of everyone who wondered what it meant. And then, of course, that's when Peter stands up and gives this amazing uh, uh, 
preaches this amazing sermon, maybe from the balcony because they're in the upper room, right? I've I've been in that part of Jerusalem, and you know some of it's been rebuilt, but there's some narrow streets. People would have crowded in there, and that must be how it happened. And so we see that through this account, the promise of the Holy Spirit is given with power, and it's a mighty display to demonstrate the unbelieving to the unbelieving Jews that were gathered at the feast. So God shows uh, shows these mighty signs in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and establishes the new covenant church. It is the promise and the evidence that we are born again and that God has quickened our souls from death, the death that separates us from God and makes us eternally alive again. Wouldn't that have been an amazing uh, thing to witness. And so God had warned Adam if they eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that they would die. They would experience a spiritual death. And this is what happened. And Satan had promised that their eyes would be open. And, but in Genesis 3, 7, it says their eyes were open, all right, but they were realized that they were naked. They had lost their spiritual clothing. They had been disconnected from uh, from the Lord and that they no longer had his spiritual covering. And so there's a physical death and a spiritual death. And the spiritual death leads to eternal judgment. As long as we have rebelled, the angels rebelled, and God created uh, the lake of fire and hell to punish the angels for rebelling. He did not create it for humans, but humans go there when they reject his authority, his kingdom, and the free salvation through Jesus. And then God explains in Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine, the soul who sins shall die. But the Holy Spirit is evidence that we are spiritually alive and redeemed from sin and death by Jesus. So Paul explained in Ephesians 1, verse 13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so we also see in Romans 8, starting in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So we know the spirit is our personal helper to teach us and guide us, as Jesus explained in John 14, uh, and starting in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, in whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Up until that time, the Holy Spirit convinced and convicted and drew people to Jesus. But now that we've received Jesus, he lives in us, right? And then verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. And then in John sixteen thirteen, he says that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So he's the discerner for us. He guides us. He reveals truth. And the world cannot receive it. We receive him. We may not get the tongues of fire anymore. That was a pretty spectacular moment. But um, but we receive knowledge, understanding, discernment in this. Um, and then when P- Peter preaches his heart-stirring sermon, it reminds, reminded all uh, of the Jews that had gathered there of the things that they had already seen with their own eyes. So that was an amazing 
um, moment because they had already been there to see the events of the Passover. They'd heard Jesus. They'd heard of his miracles. They'd seen him crucified, and they'd heard the rumors that he rose from the dead. Peter reminds them of that, and he chastises them for rejecting him. But now he invites them to receive the gift of salvation, and they do, right? The church grew fast that day. We got three, six, 3,000 souls, and they were all baptized, probably in the local mikvahs that were there for spiritual, for uh, ritual bathing. And so uh, they all received the Holy Spirit, and they went back to their own cities and nations to spread the gospel. So God is so wise. What an amazing, wise, perfectly orchestrated plan to save the whole world because they heard it in Jerusalem. They saw it. They witnessed it. They were baptized. They received the gospel. And then they went out back to their homes and spread the news in the whole world. And if you think about it, the Jews, like any of us, did not like being under Roman rule. Nobody likes to be under the rule of of somebody else. Yet it was the Roman Empire that made spreading the gospel across language barriers and nations. It's what made it possible, right? So once again, what Satan meant for evil, God turns for his glory. And so I want to actually start looking at this beautiful plan of giving us the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? And it's such a great mystery that's kind of been hidden in the Old Testament Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. And as I said before, God gave several feasts at the holy days uh, and holy days to Israel when he brought them out of Egypt and began to prepare them to become his nation of chosen people, right? That was the plan that he was, he chose a nation, he chose Abraham and he created a nation out of Abraham. They grew in the confines of Egypt until they became slaves and God had to bust them out. And when he busted them out, there were actually millions of them to come out prepared to take Israel. And during the exodus and the preparation, this is the moment when God was going to make the promises of where the Messiah would come through, right? And so um, so as he prepared his chosen people, they were intended to represent him. The nation of Israel was intended to re- represent him among the nation. And as we said, uh, the first feast was Passover and unleavened bread. And back at Exodus, Israel had experienced their first Passover, right, when they were still in Egypt, and when they had to bring the lamb into the home for five days and then slaughter him in order to place his blood on the doorposts, right? So the angel of death would pass over them and only kill the firstborn of the Egyptians, right? So this symbolism we talked about before is a Passover, which is what Jesus fulfilled. And this is the final plague of the 10 plagues that helped him, God, to free his people from slavery, right? And then it showed his people that he is the God above all gods, above all false gods. So it proved this. And so the feast of the next feast is um, the unleavened bread. And that's when they were. Uh, had to leave hastily and leave the basically not just the leaven, but the sin of Egypt behind. And then comes Pentecost. So Pentecost was 50 days later, um, and it's the Feast of Shavuot, and it focuses on celebrating the first grain, uh, first of the grain harvest. So there's a spiritual principle involved with that. However, what most Christians do not know is that it actually commemorates the day that the law was given to Israel. It's the day that Moses went up on the mount and received the commandments. 
significantly when God presents his covenant with them and the Israeli people, the Hebrew people, accept it. It's the day of the giving of the law and the covenant. So Pentecost is the day that God gave the covenant to Israel and founded the nation on following his law. And yet, Pentecost in Acts, that becomes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of the new covenant, right? As we read in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by their hand to lead them out of Egypt, the covenant which they broke. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, says the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so the first covenant was a covenant of law and God gave us a new covenant. On the very same day, he established it by giving us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the way we fulfill the law in principle. Thank you so much. Until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man.